everyone to Flyover Footy. I hope you all are having a good day, and I hope everyone on the show tonight here has had a good Independence Day, uh, be it what it may. Uh, Stuart, let's start with you, man. How are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty good. Um, today, honestly, was a rough uh, adjustment back into uh, the work week for me. I work a Monday through Friday job, and it was not easy to transition from the weekend to today, but, you know, that's a first world problem. But I'm, I'm happy to be here and talk some flyover footy. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that, uh, that back to work after the, I've, I rarely take a full day off. I usually just work a little bit and, uh, yeah, I took the day off and it felt really, really good. And it gave me that case of the Tuesdays today for sure. Uh, Matt, how are you doing, man? You're not in your head. Like same for you, maybe about the same, <laughs> about the same. It was a great weekend. Had a lot of fun. Got to go to fair St. Louis, um, Webster carnival, but it is definitely a Tuesday hangover from it. Mm. For, well, I, t- I had a four-day weekend, so I took Friday off, too, and uh, it it hit hard today. But I'm 100% glad to be talking soccer at the end of it because after a day like today, I kind of need it. And just trying to find a way to stay cool. This weather is ridiculous in St. Louis. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm in construction. I'm so spoiled that I get AC right now. That'll go away someday, but I'm, you know, I'm so happy that I've got Thankfully. AC right now. Yeah. Uh, if I got to go from building to building, <laughs> it takes 30 seconds to break a sweat pretty much. So. Right. Santiago, how are you doing, man? Uh, doing great. Also trying to get used to uh, getting back to work. I also took a um, four-day weekend, actually four-and-a-half-day weekend because I took Thursday afternoon off. I had some uh, friends from Colombia mm. visiting, so uh, I took some time off to uh, spend some time with them. So we went around St. Louis last week. They even went to one of the City 2 games and really nice. enjoyed it. So uh, they uh, they left yesterday. So now I'm uh, just trying to get used to an empty house and getting back to work, you know? Yeah. What do what do your Colombian friends think about St. Louis and, and that soccer game that they saw? They, uh, they really liked it. Uh, I think they were surprised about how many things to do. Mm. Uh, were available here in St. Louis. Like they were here for nine days, and every day uh, we had something for them to do. And uh, about the soccer game, uh, they really liked it. Uh, my um, my friend, it was uh, my friend, his wife, and their uh, nine-year-old, and she's uh, like really into soccer, and nice. and she really enjoyed the game. Uh, even like. Uh, Saturday or Friday, she was like uh, kind of singing one of the Luligans chants. So, uh, so yeah, she was really into it. And, and I think she also really enjoyed like being so close and being able to like greet the players at the end. So uh, she really liked that. That's cool. And I mean, does she do anything like that in Colombia? I assume yes, to some degree. She goes to games and she watches with her dad, but uh, it's first division, so you don't have yeah. like that access to uh, the players at the end of the game or anything like that. So, I th- she really enjoyed that experience. Yeah, Matt was off air. We were, Matt was just saying how this is we're kind of starting to wind down the end of St. Louis City too, and that USL feel that we got with St. Louis City, uh, St. Louis FC, and yeah, that's the part. 
that's you know my favorite part is the the small town vibe the you know i've said it a million times but it's true it's true we've we've kind of had a, a down uh intro here a little bit down but um we have something honestly to celebrate pretty big yeah go ahead matt Honestly, I, I feel when we get into the how our how City Two's been playing, that downward vibe is appropriate. <laughs> well, maybe this is going to be our oasis of fun here because it's my favorite thing that's happened. Um, I don't know in recent. I think so far it's like the feeling I got is up there in the top five at the very least. The fact that Roman Berkey showed up and everyone met him at the airport, and um, just seeing a guy like Roman Berkey with the people I know and see, you know, from St. Louis city events and games, it's been, uh, really weird for me and really amazing. I thought it was really cool. Um, did you, none of us made it to the airport though, did we? Stuart was there. Stuart was there. That's right. Stuart, why don't you lead us off, man? What was that like? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm jealous you were there. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's always fun. Um, you know, being involved in anything, but there, there was a group of probably 40 to 50 of us who were at the airport, uh, terminal a. So to get into the weeds, he, instead of flying the new Lufthansa direct flight, he flew from Zurich to Chicago to St. Louis. Hmm. So, um, he came in through the United terminal and they lined us up against the wall and I was next to Brian Simpson and a few other people. And they just had us prep for a little bit. And he walked by with uh, loots and shook people's hands while they, you know, took pictures and everything of all of us. Basically, that was it. <laughs> Arrived, was there for five minutes waiting. He showed up. Then they said, oh, if you want pictures, so waited around for pictures. And honestly, for most of that time, I was just uh, taking around and taking pictures of Dan Doling. Uh, <laughs> 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 so uh, I, I had a blast with that. It, it wasn't mostly to do with Berkey, but he, he I mean, he's he's a very, very handsome fellow. Mm -hmm. uh, um so, uh, I mean, I'm sure that's one reason he'll be a, a fan favorite next year. But uh, he, he seemed really nice, too. Uh, he loved seeing the Dortmund fans show up and greet him. Hmm. Uh, Nate uh, Fortenberry, uh, Fortenberry was there leading the crew. Uh, so, see, Punks were there. And I know Andy got a picture. Andy, Chris Zimmerman, and some of the others got pictures with him, too. So... Overall, it was a fun experience, but it, it it didn't seem monumental, I guess, if that makes sense. It felt more like just coming over and hanging out and seeing people, um, which I think is cooler in that way because you're just seeing friends and mm. it's a community. So, Agree. And Jake was there representing, dual representing, we'll say, Flyover and BVB Pod, um, that perfect combination for uh, an event like that. So that was cool, I'm sure. Um, Santiago, any thoughts about what you were thinking as you saw these pictures pop up? It was great to see uh, so many familiar faces. Uh, like, at least, like Stuart and Matt probably know everybody in the pictures. Uh, for me, it was like half the people on those pictures uh, were people I, I have seen or talked to. Uh, so it was great to see um, 
people like showing up at the airport to uh, to see our first player arriving to um, St. Louis. Um, I'm sure there will be more of those um, soon. Yeah, Matt, I was I was super like surprised he came so early and it sounds like it was voluntary. Right. Mm -hmm. I think I heard a little bit about that. What do you think, Matt? Yeah. Well, given the fact that a lot of the other players haven't arrived yet, we're a few days in transfer window opens in a couple days. Um, you know, we know there's no hurry in them arriving. Uh, but I think just the fact that he's, he came the first day that, that, that registration period is open, um, and made it so public it kind of just speaks volumes to his excitement and his desire to be here and his willingness to just jump in with both feet and be a part of everything that, uh, the club and Lutz has to offer him. So I, I thought it was really cool that kind of our biggest named player was the first to arrive that mm. really made a statement to me. And it kind of showed just the kind of leader that he's probably going to be for this club. You know, he has experience galore. He is 31, 32 years old. So he's been around the block on the highest stage possible and this is setting the tone for everybody else and the fact that he came out to the city two game on saturday um and was kind of taking it all in i thought that was really cool to see um and it just i mean it it really does set the tone to me and the cool thing from the airport going into that um i think it was the day before maybe the day of houston dynamo had um hector herrera do a similar thing And it had me thinking how surreal this whole thing is to me. And Phil, you were saying it in our our group chat that it's just, you know, it's just such a, like, you're just so excited, right? But to me, it's such a surreal thing that we've we've seen all these other MLS type clubs who bring in these global stars and they have these huge events for them where um, I remember Miami, I don't remember the player, but I remember the Miami supporter groups were at an airport a year or two ago and they were just uh, outside an airport, banging drums and greeting the players, that kind of, that kind of just event where you are, your club is big enough to attract a global star and has the resources and wherewithal and fandom to create that event, to bring the fans to an airport, to greet the player, the minute he lands and gets off the plane, just setting the tone for the player of what they can expect in town. All of that was completely surreal to see, it happened to St. Louis and for that to be the, the tone setter going forward is just incredible to me. It it is very surreal. Yeah. And the whole, you know, St. Louis too appreciates something like, you know, he could have come later. He has that star power, but he's humble. He's coming in second. He can come. He's wanting to put the work in. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's the kind of player that uh, historically St. Louis fans, um, appreciate and, and love, um, and we'll get dig into this a little more later, I think. But the fact that it's still so surreal to me that he's not a designated player. You know what I mean? Like there are a couple of players we have that are not designated players. And then we have a couple now that are. And it's like very confusing. You know, it's, it may not be who you think it is. And it's, it's funny to me. Well, the fact that the fact that LAFC just signed Gareth Bale to a TAM deal shows that it's possible point. and happening nowadays. But. It also speaks to the savviness of our organization and the community. Yes. Organization of what we're bringing to the table right off the bat. Another thing that has you so excited for us navigating those waters this way. Absolutely.
Absolutely. Any other, any other thoughts on, on Berkey coming in at the airport? The fun that was had there. So, oh yeah, I want just wanted to say that you know, according to Hackworth, which Santiago, you were in on that um, press conference at Lufuse, which um, again, I want to say that you're you do such a good job covering those press conferences. You definitely by far asked the best questions, um, but it was 100%. cool. <laughs> it was, you asked the questions that we want to know. Yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we're biased, but. Um, yeah, but Heck said that uh, you know Lutz would put him in goal, you know, two days later if he if he had his choice. So I imagine we're going to see Berkey. I think that kind of answered that question. That you know, there's there's some desire there, and who knows when. Um, and I would hate to see those uh, Creek and um, well, I, I'm mix, I'm messing McGrain. up. The, thank you, McGrain. McGrain. I was going to say it wrong. Um, you know, I hate to see, see those guys miss out too much, but you know, it's something to to look forward to. Yeah, but I'm sure, yeah, he, he will play some games, but I don't think he will play every game. I don't think that's the idea. And those guys will be able to to learn from him. Uh, mm. It would be great for them to, to have that type of mentor and train with him and kind of uh, pick his brain about different things. Um, so I think it will be good for them. Uh, back to uh, Matt's comments about uh, him like arriving as early as possible. He was also uh, training on, on Sunday. <laughs> Lutz uh, posted third, uh, a video. Yeah. He was already practicing. Um, I'm not sure if we will see him uh, on Sunday playing against Minnesota, but uh, maybe the following game, maybe we will see him uh, play at least a half or something like that. Well, my thought on him playing kind of it, it I'm, I'm trying to think through what the purpose overall of him playing is. He uh, honest, I mean, for a year or so, didn't start or didn't really play until the last game. So it's almost and he's not going to play for City, obviously, until until March. And, and that keeper position to me is a little more interesting in I, I've never played keeper. I have no idea if it's the field general type role where you need to know the defenders and want to play with them. So maybe once Nielsen and, and Pedro are here, we'll see it. I just, I'm curious what the overall goal is with him the rest of this year. Is it a mentoring? Is it a be familiar with the system? Is it just absorbing everything, getting used to St. Louis more so than it is taking the field and getting in minutes? Yeah, I, I feel like it's... I mean, I think it's... Yeah, go. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, I think it would be a lot of those, but the just adjusting to St. Louis, I think, is a, is a huge one. Just uh, settling into a new country, and um, he, I mean, he's going to have a... Him, Pedro, and all those guys are going to have a nice advantage that they don't have to deal with the things like finding a place to live... Hmm. figuring out what exactly they're what food they're wanting to order and just getting used to everything about the area in addition to their uh professional lifestyle um i mean i i know berkey speaks english so that's that's obviously a big help but uh i mean he gets i think kind of just train, relax, settle in, and that's going to be a huge advantage to, to next year. Well, because when you when you have that ability, then by the time training camp comes in January, you're laser-focused on playing. And you have not only had time to adjust to the United States and St. Louis and the culture here, the housing, the restaurants, all of the lifestyle, 
you've had an opportunity to learn the system that you're going to implement. So you're able to completely focus, or at least that's the hope with them coming in so soon on the game plan and hitting the ground running as literally as possible when that training camp opens in January. Yeah, you got to think about, you know, at the end of this, here's a little uh, preview for you, a little foreshadowing. At the end of this, we're going to talk about that article about which, you know, MLS Next Pro players for City 2 might make it to the senior team. It's like a top five list. It's a pretty cool article. Um, but, you know, thinking about the fact that Josh Yarrow is on a, on a pro deal and will probably get very good, you know, chances he'll be playing with, with the senior team. Think about Fritz Volmar, the first time he came in and the miscommunications, you know, just from not having reps, you know what I mean? So, you know, I could even see that, that Yarrow and Berkey could be on the same page and Nielsen might do something that they didn't expect or not step up when they expected. So that is a possibility. And, and it would be cool to think about the fact that Berkey and Yarrow might be on the, on the same wavelength, you know, going into the next season. I think you guys had all, all great points, but that's that's definitely what I was thinking about. All right, this is the oasis of fun is drying up. It's now time to talk about penalty <laughs> kicks and Stan Kroenke teams and uh, all these things that we just we must cover today, unfortunately. Um, but maybe we can get some of our anger out. Um, Stuart, you were the first person to kind of respond many times about the PK. Um, what? a few seconds, like 40-something seconds into the game, um, at least the call was. Stuart, why don't you get us started on this one, and we'll just kind of roundtable this one as well. Uh, I mean, as uh, John Lamar, Santi, and uh, Johnny Garcia corrected, it was not three minutes into the match. It was 11 seconds into the match. 11? Uh, Is that real? When it was called. When it was called, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, it was right off the kickoff. So, I mean, the referee basically stopped looking at his watch to start the clock and called a penalty. <laughs> yeah, which, just like my air conditioning, that ref was really struggling in that game. And. <laughs> <laughs> to, 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 I, I'm sorry, but you you can't call a penalty in the first minute of a match. That's a questionable penalty. I mean, you you can of course, but that was not a stonewall penalty. And give it was some time so for the match to to breathe or to grow into it. It was just that was incredibly harsh to to start the match with. I will tell you that uh, Dantume Torre, the 18-year-old who drew that penalty, has quite the career in acting ahead of him. His <laughs> playing career doesn't work out. Yeah, I think Juilliard was on was, the phone. He was down. He was holding both sides of his face. He was, he was running in a circle while he was laying down. I mean, he, he did everything he had to do to make that referee call something. I guess, I guess, cre- I guess credit to him because it worked. <laughs> we got some uh, play-by-play picks from <laughs> Robbie, which is uh, at Social Junk Mail on Twitter. Um, just ridiculous. So, but look that up. I tweeted oh, that, it, but I didn't put it on the flyover account. I was talking that was too much from smack. that was from the club's um, app. The club posted. Those <laughs> You're kidding! <laughs> I, I didn't nope. know that. You can go check out there because they always post uh, oh, pictures yeah, from the, like the gallery. They, yeah. they post the gallery from the previous game. Numerous pictures of the blow-by-blow blow 
quote unquote blow by blow of Hebert with a hand outstretched yeah. that appears to graze his, his face. And then almost the frame by frame of him just grabbing every part of his face and going down. No, and pick. then go ahead. And then if you juxt, I don't think I tweeted this one, I, but I, I thought about it. Uh, Ezra Armstrong, go check out his Twitter account because he posted what was a legitimate penalty and not yeah. called as one. Oh, when he yeah. got essentially punched in the face by the keeper in the box. Yeah, keeper missed the ball on a challenge. He, he went up for a punch, missed the ball, and just connected to two fists right to Ezra's yep. face. So it was ugly. So ugly. I was glad to see Ezra tweet about it today because I had not seen it on him, and I hope he's okay after that. Second kind of head injury that he's had this year, and it was scary to see. Yeah, Dita, Dita was hurt too, so mm-hmm. I mean, both the brothers have had some pretty scary head injuries. But that was uh, but I, I, that was I the egregious know, one, yeah. though, because how they called that one at the beginning. They didn't call that one later on in the game. There was no consistency at all for the refereeing when it came to penalties, fouls, and especially head injuries. Yeah. Did you guys notice there? Um, Jaro was fouled uh, before that penalty. No. Like, it's hard to see on the replay uh, because when it transitions to that part, like he's already falling. But uh, both uh, Hackward and Jaro said uh, post game that uh, Jaro was fouled. Uh, right before the ball uh, went to uh, the player that had the uh, Oscar winning performance and uh, like mm-hmm. just right before that you can see if you go and look at the at the highlights you can see that Jaro falls and then the ball goes to uh, that player wow no telling what the ref was looking at yeah well yeah I mean development league for them right i mean i don't want to go off on the guy too much especially i think when it gets bad enough to a certain point you're just like i don't even know if i'm it's worth yelling at the guy anymore well i would have lost my mind in the game though if i was there i would have just been here's the other here's the other thing why we were losing our mind so many times at the game is the referee set the tone for the entire game with that call it didn't just cost st louis a goal but that set the tone for both teams the entire game. And the fact that it wasn't consistent was very, very irritating. But my opinion was the only reason that we saw the trainer see so much action on the field coming on and off and on and off is because the players for the Rapids 2 were trying to do that exact same thing Hmm. numerous times. They were trying to to hard sell. They were trying to draw the calls because they knew the referee had given it so early. So when that tone was set, it not only cost us a goal, it impacted every single flow of the game from then on forward, and it definitely impacted how quickly the Rapids 2 players went down on the slightest touch, knowing that they had the referee who would make those kinds of calls. Well, enough about what we watched. Matt, do you want to give us a full breakdown of the stats in this game? <laughs> yeah, let me uh, <laughs> let me pull up the next pro site real quick, which if you're if you're watching us now or listening to this later, maybe they'll fix it. But yeah, as of uh, as of nine o'clock on uh, July 5th, 
the next pro site has refused to acknowledge that there was a final score to this game. <laughs> they don't have any any stats posted. They don't have the final score posted. They still have the preview listed on our game page mm. and the the time of seven o'clock kickoff. It's bad. You know, it almost it just I want to start a conspiracy theory because there's no replay of the matches. And I think we all know why. Right. Um, the stats, you know, off this really terrible game are missing. So it's just like you want to you want to believe that, you know, there's someone out there doing this kind of thing on purpose. But and, and the weird thing is they have the team stats updated so we can see mm. the number of games played. We can see some of even the league leading stats, like some of those had been updated, the team stats. But that game, that one game, it's not even like the entire week was a single Sunday game or something or Saturday game. It's just ours. No. So we hey, don't, we may, don't have maybe, any. Ne- maybe it never happened. <laughs> it was all a dream. <laughs> Just it was forget. a fever dream for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Is there you anything know, to say? I mean, oh, go ahead, Stuart. Go ahead. Well, it, it just going off of how how they set up the how the league's running things right now. Uh, obviously, being at the game, we weren't listening to the broadcast, but there were a few people saying that the broadcaster for the game was he was. Uh, calling another game and he was talking to someone else in the studio completely unrelated like he was just obviously not involved and that's that would be the second time i mean for the chicago fire match that guy was eating chips like half the match so. <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, uh amateur is is um is a kind way to put the yes, production quality on how mls next or mls has treated this league that guy needs to go away is it the same guy from the fire match oh i have no idea to oh be honest I, I i mean i didn't hear the the rapids match and I, know, I, I can't replay the rapids match so i have no idea no it was, <laughs> I can't replay the fire it was match. real bad like he was clearly on the phone talking to someone like I feel like he said I papi like like he's talking to a I don't friend or something I have no idea but uh and then he was like and now next up you'll be hearing blah 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 blah, blah next on 2DN or something like, I can't remember if it was 2DN or not but it was definitely a hit for some other game um and then he'd be to, like to hit his mute button yeah right. yeah and then he'd pick up the mic and you'd hear the this fumbling around and him picking up his mic and bringing it back and he says Getting back to the action now, and then he would have no idea what's happening. He'd read <laughs> off some stats, he'd go back to his phone, do another hit, and then I think he came back for good after a certain amount of time. Absolutely ridiculous. Wow. The dude needs to never come back. And I think I'll, yeah, it needs to be mentioned. Wow. I hope the league saw that enough that they got rid of the guy. Just totally unprofessional. There's no reason for that. No reason. Um, but that's, uh, should we talk about the game itself? I mean, it's two to one, right? So it wasn't like we weren't in the game. We don't have stats to back up all that no. happened, which really actually we, does kill me because I, I think it would look really good in our favor. But it it might. I, I do think that um, we probably had the same kind of stat line as we usually do. A lot of shots, um, not too many shots on target. 
And, and it's, it was the same story that I can recall from being there live without looking at stats is it just felt like we were getting a lot of pressure, but we weren't capitalizing on anything. We were getting crosses in, but we couldn't find, we couldn't even find the net. And that's been a consistent story and a frustration is the ability to finish given the amount of pressure that we actually put on goal. Mm. I think, uh, we do have talent there that can finish. Doling is, is a talented finisher. We've seen, um, Juan Cousin when he's playing his, a uh, good position for himself can score, Diaz. you know, Diaz, I'll get to Diaz in a second, but he, he is a goal scorer. And so when, if those guys are on like they were in games like the Chicago fire and SKC two, then we're in good position. Uh, Max Schneider, he's showing himself to be a goal scorer when he gets up there in the box. But more often than not in the regular course of play, especially if we go down, um, by multiple goals, it seems we don't, we don't have that just finishing bite to us. Mm. And that to me is the most frustrating part. And that's, that was one of my biggest takeaways. Well, last week we talked about Joe Klaus is, uh, coming at some point. So maybe he'll, he'll change that. It'll be interesting to see if there is a change on that. Uh, but something that this is a bright point and it may be perhaps the only bright point in the game. Uh, Matt, I completely agree with everything you just said, but, uh, you and Santiago both, uh, hammered home the fact that Anthony Fapel got his first pro minutes, um, with the team. So that was really nice to see right after that U 16 game that we, I think we all watched, um, slightly heartbreaking, but, you know, a, a hard fought battle, I would say. Um, I'm not embarrassed with how the guys showed themselves at all, not in the least bit. Um, but after a year long season, this was another thing from the, the Hackworth uh, presser that um, a year long season, they played their first game a year ago, those U16s, but one player got injured partway through the season and didn't have as many minutes on his on his body and he was going to be able to play in this game obviously that now uh, we see that was Anthony Fapel if you didn't guess it already so anyway that was cool to see so yeah another thing that was cool to see was uh Carson Gibbs scoring his his first professional goal that was great to see he he had a couple of chances uh in the last couple of games but couldn't uh close the deal but finally um it happened, and I think that gives him uh, some confidence uh, for the next few games. And honestly, that to me is the kind of goal that I would love us to see put on net more often, where the ball gets sent in, the Rapids 2 player headed it in the box, and it just kind of went into no man's land and fell down. <laughs> Carson Gibbs found the ball, settled it, and just fired it off. And it was on target, and it was a hard, it was a good strike goal. And that, so that plays two. The antithesis of my complaint is that that was a quality finish where the ball was played inside the box, and and he is he's proven himself to be that hard hard nosed forward player who isn't afraid to get in the thick of things and not and, and take chances. You know, he drew a penalty a few weeks ago that got us a point because he was playing hard physical ball in the box. I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of Carson Gibbs so far. Yeah. And, and there's a use for that. It's one of my favorite things about like the Red Bull system. And we just saw a perfect example. Matt, I saw you tweeted about it. Um, I think he was a 16 or 18 year old player for Red Bull just scored um, in a yep. game. And these guys have so much energy. These young bodies, they can just run and run and run and sprint and sprint. And he, I think he was a sub, to be fair. Um, but he came in fresh, ran hard and he was given a chance. And with that chance, you know, he he stole the ball away, drove toward goal, and he finished well. It, the The moment wasn't too big for him. And I just feel like 
with teams that are willing to rotate young players up, and we'll see if City does this. This is something I really hope they do. I think they'll want to do because of how much um, fitness is so important for that team, um, for a pressing team, I should say, um, that these guys, these kids can show that they're not you know, too small for the moment, that they can step up and really play a part and be calm in a finishing moment to win a game. In this case, I think they came back from a 0-2 uh, deficit. So really cool moment to watch with New York, and that's one that, you know, like you said in your tweet, Matt, uh, I hope we see a lot of that for St. Louis City. Well, in the way that they the way they did that, the sub in around the 60, 70th minute, uh, allowing him to kind of overpower the tired legs, that to me is just right to a T of what I would expect to see more than once our Academy players use next mm -hmm. year where that, and that style of play that the Red Bulls use, you know, we've talked about it before, very similar to what we're going to see for us. So by the, what we see in city two as well, by the 60th, 70th minute, you start to see tired legs. You need to get those fresh subs. Carson Gibbs has been that player for us a few times lately where he comes in and he's able to run circles around players. I would expect that. Kind of, um, that same kind of opportunity to present itself and the same kind of use case for a lot of our academy players to make first appearances, second appearances, and kind of introduce themselves to the team and to the way we play in that 60, 70th minute sub opportunity to really give us those fresh legs and, and run circles around the players when they are ready for that opportunity next year. Absolutely. Let's move on. You know, we've we've all we're all going to remember this match. And, um, you know, if we were to get a chance to do we play the Rapids two again? I feel like we don't. I think we're done. Yeah. So that's one that I wish we had yeah, a rematch for. The only, uh, oh, the only team I think we play three times is uh, Sporting KC2, right? That yeah. makes sense. Good call. Um, but another game that is stuck in my mind is the one that we're about to see this upcoming uh, next upcoming weekend. That is Man Minnesota United, too. Um, that's one that I want back. I want to take back and I want to punch them back in the face uh, because <laughs> I think we can do better. And I'd like to see what that looks like, at least uh, something more even. Right. So that's one I'm looking forward to. Matt, did you want to kind of give us a, a little bit of a preview on that on that rematch? Sure. I think the most important thing is that when we played them the first time at home, we were coming off of our U.S. Open Cup run. Right. It was April 24th that we lost 4 nothing at home against them. So understanding where we were as a team at that point, how tired and how many games we played in a, a very short period of time, uh, we're going to be fresh for this one. Granted, it's going to be have a 3 one one record however city two has a four zero and one away record so there's a good opportunity there to see who is going to who's going to break you know is our away record going to hold firm or, or are they going to stay strong at home mm. minnesota is sixth in the table we're second so they're a good team and they start the next set of run for us against quality teams so the next few matchups for us are going to be very difficult and this is starting off that the the easy stretch of june is is over um, Minnesota is coming off of a 2 nothing win against Whitecaps 2. Before that, they had lost two in a row, so they have a little bit of momentum coming into this game. And they had a, uh, an away stretch in which they lost a few games. So last week they were at home, and now they have a little bit of a home stretch. And they won last week. They're going to look to keep that going. So I think, to me, the, there's a lot of similarities when you look at the stats. Um, we are evenly matched in uh, goals. We're evenly matched in volume of passing. They, 
do appear to be a team that likes to give the long ball and they're accurate with the long ball. So the one concern that I think I have is our ability to track back and not have the ball played over top to be beaten on long ball crosses because that is our Achilles heel quite a bit. So if there was one segment of the game that I'm looking to us to really overcome that we've shown propensity to allow goals, it's, it's defending the long ball, defending those deep runs um, and set piece crosses. Yep. And and the individual talent was hard to overcome last time. That's something I'm going to be watching for. I think their lineup is going to really uh, decide, you know, what, what it looks like, especially up top Their Their attacking talent was something special. Yeah, they there was an interesting stat that I read for Minnesota and and they had kind of a midseason recap that they posted and they noted that their first teamers from their MLS side has have accounted for 42 percent of their minutes played Mm, in this league. Forty two percent. Forty four have come from those second team contracted players. So, you know, the Josh Dolings, the the Vitor Diaz's and then 14 percent have been from their academy players. So they have, and th- we knew this when there was concern of their designated player playing the first time around because they had a DP who they've since loaned out who has who played a, a half or two for their two team. Hmm. Um, so they, they have, they've, they've been loaning players down. They've been trying to get minutes for these supplemental slots. And in fact, one of their players that I had to, to watch out for, uh, Zeal Jackson, 25 years old, or number 25, 20 years old, plays a forward position, is a homegrown and he leads their team with six goals, four assists, and he had a goal last week. So he's in good form. So number 25, Azeel Jackson, is somebody I would definitely watch out for um, in good form and has been for quite a while for them. He was their best player. I think he's been one of the best attackers I've seen on opposing teams in the entire season. So, no, again, I'm, ser- I'm super curious what that'll look like this time. You know, it may, he may not look as good because we're going to be at our best, I think. So interesting there. Um, next one is another fun one. Uh, we have two players to talk about. One is official and one is rumored. Uh, but let's talk about it here because that's what we do. Um, Eduard Leuven um, was signed from, oh, no. Now I'm, th- I'm for, uh, starts with a B. What is that team that he played for? Hertha. Hertha Berlin. Oh, right. But he was loaned out to. Oh, Bochum. Yeah, Bochum. Midfielder, my first, the thing I've noticed most about his goals and assists is that he takes a lot of corners and he does a lot of set pieces. And that seems to be what his production came from. Um, So I'm really excited. There wasn't a lot of minutes uh, to be watched on tape of him playing a normal game, but that's something that we need. You know, I think he's, you know, maybe he's like the Schneider of our senior team because Schneider seems to be that kind of a player. I don't know. That's what I thought. What did you think, Matt? Honestly, that's the player I was trying to compare him to because I'm not. With, with not a whole lot to go off of on the tape on highlight i'm trying to think of what lutes and carnell are talking about him as how they're describing him and then who we can see in that position on our two team right now and i i have been thinking of schneider and he's been described by lutes multiple times in multiple interviews as that box-to-box player an important piece to the spine of the squad so my thought initially is that he's going to provide that number eight role where he's kind of going to be an attacking defending threat um, maybe kind of, you know, more, more so on the attacking side. But as, as I started reading a little more, seeing some more quotes, a quote from Bradley Carnell stood out to me hmm. on the uh, MLSsoccer.com piece that they had. And it said, Edward can be a difference maker on both sides of the ball. 
His position as a six on the field is an important part to our system, and his skills are well-suited for our style of play. So seeing that box-to-box, number six, that, to me, is how I've been seeing Max Schneider more and more. And, you know, he's going to get a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of mile, mileage on the field. You know that. He's going to run all over the place. But knowing how the number six is kind of that pivot, how he's going to be kind of controlling where the ball goes and needing to track back so hard, and, and knowing who our other midfield option is right now, Tomas Ostrak. Oh, we lost Matt. Oh, we lost Matt. But I'm going to expand on what he's saying. Um, hold on. Maybe he's there. Maybe he's there. We lost you, Matt. Are you back? I'm back. Um, okay, go I'm back. Ahead. Sorry. I don't so think we I missed saying, anything, though. Keep going. Okay, so I mentioned Tomas Ostrak's our only other midfield option right now on the roster. And so seeing Ostrak, I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a number 10, but he is an attacking midfield position. And so you can kind of see the spine start to play out where we do seem to have one other central midfielder that we could probably sign. But knowing how Leuven is going to stick with that number six role in that box-to-box, I think knowing what we don't know about him and that provides a lot of the consternation that's that's where a lot of people are like i don't know a whole lot about him i don't see highlights why is he a designated player mm-hmm. all valid questions yeah. right it, it's, it's the big unknown for the fans because we don't we can't go and see where his proven track record is he's young he's 25 years old he signed through 2026 with an option 27 so he is clearly being almost given the keys to the kingdom of this of this team as that that workhorse who's going to be up and down the field for so long and what that tells me is that through scouting through conversations Lutz clearly trusts this guy and we've talked so often about we're going to trust Lutz he doesn't seem like he's let us down he he knows what he's doing he has an idea he's showing it now with City 2 that gives me all the reason to be optimistic that I need right now yeah couple nerd comments here like i'm with you that i think the carnell quote that you mentioned about him being a six tells us a couple things one is that um is that we're definitely gonna have that double pivot which is what you mentioned because there's i i find it extremely hard to believe that leuven might be a standalone six like a tyler adams you know or um I just don't see him being that. So if he called him a six, I think that definitely means it's going to be a a double pivot because other evidence that I saw to back that up is that he actually played as an attacking midfielder in like a four, two, three, one, um, according to FOTMA. I mean, that could be off, but so if he's played as an attacking midfielder, yes, he could definitely hack it as a six, um, in MLS, but would you want him to, I I doubt it. And so I, I think that was what I pulled away from that. Um, Stuart Santiago, any thoughts on, on Leuven? Obviously, as you said, um, not a lot, uh, known about him and, I think that's something that people uh, by now they they should get used to it. Um, a lot of these players that City is going to bring will not be uh, well-known players that that people know from from big teams or uh, big leagues. Um, but um, I think the team is doing a good job scouting these players and the way. Um, they describe him as box to box that number six it just sounds like he's gonna be like the heart the engine of of this team it would be interesting to to see uh, what he does when he gets some minutes for uh, 
city too. I would love to see in uh, kind of uh, thinking about what Matt was saying that uh, the closest player to him is um, Snyder. It would be great to see see both of them playing together mm-hmm. um, in some of these city two games. Uh, so again, I, I think um, it's it's a good player. Uh, it's a good acquisition for the team. Um, the team is thinking highly on him, designated player, and and um, we have to continue uh, trusting Lutz and and Carnell and and see what what happens uh, in the next few weeks uh, when we when they continue uh, signing players and announcing uh, what players are going to come here. Yeah, Stuart, definitely share your thoughts if you have them. I don't want to cut you off, but I'm also curious what you think of it being like a four or five year deal. I thought that was interesting. Oh, Stuart. Well, I think a four or five year deal means that they're obviously. Uh, am I coming through? Yes, you are. Go ahead. Yeah, um, four or five year deal. They're 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 betting on him. I mean, you you invest in him, and you expect either he'll give you that time, or you can sell him on uh, if he comes back. Uh, he he really does strike me as a guy that your the club is is to be blunt, buying low on. And I think Klaus is one of those guys, too, where he's, if it doesn't work out, then maybe you can buy him down to a TAM contract and kind of bury him. Uh, Good point. But if he does work out and he hits the uh, potential that he has, then you, you, you might be able to sell him back to a Bundesliga club for for a pretty tidy tidy profit. Um, and I don't know if that's the kind of vision that Lutz has been pitching to these guys like Nielsen or Klaus or, or Lovin. But um, to me, it makes sense that he's he's not saying, hey, you're going to be in St. Louis for five or six years, but you might be. But, you know, we treat us well, we'll treat you well. And if you have a chance to sell on back to a top five league, then we'll give you that opportunity. So, uh, but with him being similar to like a Max Schneider, I've actually been thinking a lot about how I think Josh Doling and uh, Jean Klaus seem to be both physically built similarly and play style very similarly. So it, 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 I don't know how much that's intentional or if they're brought in to kind of give a dry run for how the system goes uh, or, if, or if they're, you know, you're looking for if Schneider has what it takes to be a six in your system and if he does, you, you keep him around and he's a perfect replacement or sub for, for Logan and, um, same goes with Doling. Mm-hmm. But uh, all these guys, proofs in the pudding, and you you trust Lutz, Lutz, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it's good. But we really won't know. But I, I like how they're not they're not super flashy guys. Who, uh, I mean, they're they're big names and they're flashy talents. But we're not going out of the way and trying to sign a, you know. Um, Matweedy or uh, or 
one of the other high profile guys that Miami's got who's absolutely blown up. I was going to say Insigne. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't done great this year. Uh, crazy, too. Uh, gosh, who, Chicago signed, what's his name? Um, Zaka. Wait, no. Zaka. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Miami just got a, a designated player for $150,000 in game today. Yeah. From Toronto. Yeah. From Toronto, yeah. yeah. He might be their best signing. I know, right? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Of all the DPs they've signed, this is probably the best one. It's the For most real. savvy. Like they, think, got the, they got a steal out of necessity from Toronto. I think they're getting only, more practical. It only took three seasons to get there. <laughs> practical out of necessity. I agree with that, Matt. Um, to steal half your phrase there. Uh, let's talk well, about... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Real quick, so... I, I do want to get into the even nerdier aspect of, of what this signing does mean, because this is our second designated player signing and you're only allowed three at, at, at the max. And with that third designated player signing does come a bit of a, a, a salary cap hit, you could call it. Hmm. So if you sign, so both of our designated players are 25 years old, right? So they are going to cost the max salary budget charge, 612,500. So they're, they're as expensive as it gets for the designated players. Um, with the third slot, we could, we could just not use it first of all, Hmm. but if we do sign another designated player and it is a traditional DP, so above the age of, I think 23 right now, um, it would carry that max charge, but we'd also pay a penalty of $150,000, uh, that we'd have to pay the league that gets distributed to the other teams who only have two designated players. Hmm. So that's kind of a wonky thing. Um, the other the other thing we could do is we could sign a young designated player to fill that that roster spot. So a player 23 or younger who would carry a much lower salary cap hit. So if you are uh, between if you're 20 and younger and you're signed as a young DP, you only cost the club one hundred fifty thousand dollars against salary. If you're 21 to 23, you cost the club two hundred thousand dollars against the salary cap. Juxtapose that with the six twelve five hundred that Klaus and and Leuven are costing, that's a huge difference. Mm. And so we have that opportunity. So it'll be interesting to see as the months roll on if we take advantage of that third designated player slot or if we just ride out two. And then the other thing is longer term, um, because you can sign a player to be a DP and then buy them down essentially or leverage their transfer fee contract to where they come off the books as a DP, so to speak. Now, Klaus was the first player, and we ended up paying a $3.52 million transfer fee for him. So it's not looking great for him to be coming off the books as a DP anytime soon. However, uh, Leuven, it's being reported that he only had a $1.1 million transfer fee. And for a designated player, um, well, if you want to use a mechanism like TAM to buy down a designated player, or somebody who would be, then that player can't have... Um, a combined transfer and salary for one year more than 1.612 million, basically a million over that max. Um, if they are structuring Leuven to where the full transfer fee applies this year, plus his salary, he could come off the books as a DP uh, next year, the year after. So there's possibilities and flexibility when it comes to Leuven and how he's classified. Um, so of the so when we're thinking about you know he might be a DP for five years and i wouldn't quite go that far with leuven klaus probably is going to be a dp for quite a while 
I'm excited about the flexibility that Leuven might offer based on that seemingly low transfer fee because Hertha Berlin got him for $7 million mm-hmm. not too long ago. Yeah, I definitely noticed that discount. Um, and Hertha Berlin has been known for making bad transfer moves as of moves as of late. So hopefully we can profit off of that as well as uh, the other clubs that have. Let's move on because I wrote down 50 minute mark there because, Matt, that was incredibly good information that perhaps we can post online in a shorter, smaller format on Twitter there um, tomorrow or the next day. Uh, but let's talk about Isaac Jensen, right? Yes, he mm-hmm. is a U19 player for Danish club Sunderjeski or something pronounced similar to that. Um, I'm glad you said it. Sunderjeski. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so this player has 13 appearances in the top league um, and in the U19 league he has 29 appearances with eight goals. Matt, I thought for some reason you saw an assist on there. That's not showing up, but either way, he's 19 or no, sorry, he's 18, U19 player. Not incredibly flashy, but perhaps Lutz sees something in this guy, right? And they're going to bring him over and probably get him some some two minutes this year before uh, the following year, right? He had two assists for uh, some domestic cup that they have over there mm. in Denmark. Sidbank, Pokalen. That's what I missed. Pokalen. I see it now, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the stats aren't overwhelming. Um, he's really young, so he's only 18 years old. Uh, but it's it's a position that we haven't really targeted so far, left winger. Um, the Juxtaposing it again to what City 2 is doing, those wingers and those wing backs or full backs are very integral to how we move the ball up the field. Mm-hmm. So we often see City 2 uh, move our, our left back, Kwame, up to where Ezra or Celio play, do some overlapping runs or move the ball in that regard so we know pedro has that left back so if this is who we're looking at for a left winger very interested in in how you know what what how we bring him in or or what role he would play um again not a guy who we can see a whole lot of tape on because he's young and there just isn't any isn't much available but it's an interesting prospect a lot of times for the national team we think about you know i follow um i follow scuffed is my favorite podcast if you want to talk about usmnt and so they um talk about the wingers being half space merchants right and and we i meant to mention this with austrac and this is even better because um it seems like we kind of use our wingers as those cutting inside um you know uh, jensen is right footed i think austrac is left footed Mm so you know if Jensen's on the left. Ostrak was listed as a winger, an attacking uh, winger. If he's on the right, they're both cutting in in those half spaces. And then our fullbacks are getting up high and wide. Um, that's something that we're seeing in modern football pretty regularly. And I think City seems to be using that kind of mentality. So I'm sure we'll see those two doing that kind of a thing with someone like Doling or Klaus in the middle up high and, and the midfielders doing their thing with some kind of a 10 mixing in, which I'm not sure I could pin down what our 10s do on a daily basis. It seems to be uh, depending on the player himself. But See, my, my thought on how City 2 plays is I don't think we have a true number 10. I think yeah. we play the ball through those pivots and we do those those fullback, wingback type, moving the ball up and, and kind of getting through to our wingers. So what would you say that Diaz does when he plays in, in that position? Would you say just kind of a second striker kind of a position? Kuzain kind of plays that way when he's in that position. Yeah. I, I just don't see a whole lot of playmaking from Diaz. I see him. I, I see him. I almost see. I saw so earlier in the season. I really thought Doling was playing kind of as a false nine because Diaz would 
have overlapping runs past him. He would he would play even with Doling. But then when they came out of their attacks and they kind of got back into formation, you could definitely see yeah. like a four two three one develop. I agree. But I, I just don't see it as that typical playmaking. You you work the ball through the number ten position to make uh, things happen for your wingers or for your striker. Which does make you know it, it does make things like a left winger position a little more intriguing in that regard, and it makes me a little less angsty to sign a traditional number ten. Hmm. Um, and, and then the last thing I'll say on Jensen, I think, is that his value based on transfer marked is not anywhere near designated player. So we're not talking that level or that caliber no. of player here. We're talking probably a guy who is available. Um, I think his team just got relegated. Yes. Right. Is, is another, yeah. So another opportunity there where Lutz is probably taking advantage of a situation to bring over um, and develop a player who more so than anybody else could be turned around and sold after playing for a while and and still putting a few years in with City potentially and then getting to a position where he could rake in in Europe. Santiago, I think you had thoughts on on that whole positioning thing with the number 10 slash second striker. What did you think about that whole thing? Yeah, no, I, I agree with Matt. I, I don't see, when I think about CD2, I, I don't see a number 10. Um, and maybe that's what we will see with, with CD um, next year. Back to... Um, back to... Uh, this uh, young player that uh, is rumored. Uh, obviously, it's it's an interesting uh, prospect. Um, he's young, and as Matt said, is uh, not gonna be a DP. And um, just thinking about what the team wants to do to develop players too, kind of goes in line. Uh, we'll probably see him um, having some minutes with the first team. We may also see him playing uh, with CD2 next year so he continues developing and uh, if he turn it like if he gets used to the system and and proves that 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 he can uh, be part of the team great um, if not maybe the team will continue trying to develop him for another year or two and then yeah. see what happens but yeah the team has to has to gamble on on those prospects too uh, it's not only bring in uh, the players that will play next year they have to think long term and, and start thinking about yeah we have the academy and we have city two and we will develop players there but you also have to supplement with with some other players uh, from other parts of the world or other parts of the country yeah um, he's really, yeah, I view him really no different than someone like Vitor Diaz or Schneider, guys that they picked out from Marshall. You know what I mean? Like, if they just saw something, they brought him in, and clearly they've served a good purpose for us to the point that we like him enough that we'd like to see him on the senior team, which is a good transition, but I'm not going to use it because I do want to also say that, you know, any formation lists – um, have only come from us and other podcasts in St. Louis. The team has never said they use a four-two-three-one, nor do they say they use like a three-four-three or anything like that that we've kind of shoved in everyone's face, right? Um, it very fact, well could be a four-four-two, and sometimes it looks like that. So, like, the, I, I hope we're not like mis misleading anybody. I want to put that out. No, there. and and even we we aggravate ourselves because <laughs> it 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 looks hands down when they're in formation starting the game getting back on defense like a 4231 
But then when you see how they work, I've never seen a four, two, three, one. And I don't, I don't watch as much soccer as a lot of other people, but I've never seen a four, two, three, one where you have a specific left back move forward, shifting the entire formation to the left <laughs> in almost a three center back role where you have that left back move up to the midfield. Yeah. But again, on defense and everything, they do tend to track back to see both fullbacks. Yeah. It's, it's the, uh, and maybe that's why they don't uh, put a label on it because they don't need to. Yeah. And it doesn't act like a traditional four, two, three, one. I've heard a lot of Germans say that formation doesn't matter. So it like, it, it very well could just be like, who cares? Like point during the game. And I'll tell you what it is in that moment. But otherwise, like it has no meaning. That's interesting. But, but for us who need formations to play FIFA and right. to talk about where players fit <laughs> in, but I will say, too, that the USMNT played for a long time with Tim Ream as a stay-at-home left back. Same thing, just flipped. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's common. It's not weird what we're doing. Um, but, you know, in, in closing, I'll also say that, you know, someone like we just mentioned uh, Miami picking up Pozuelo. That's not a St. Louis City player. You know what I mean? That's a, I wouldn't see him playing for us in the style that we play. That's not the kind of 10 or second striker we would use. He, we could but I don't think we go looking for it. So that was just a fun conversation there. I appreciate you guys uh, pitching in. We don't have a lot of time. Let's go quickly on this one. Um, I better look up. I want to give him credit. Larry Henry Jr., uh, writer for MLS, wrote an article, which is five players that we should look at for City 2 that could make it to the senior team in now. 2023. I almost had a mind blank there on what year it was. Um, so I'm going to list them and then we're going to talk about them and then we're going to close out the show. Number one, Josh Yarrow. Number two, Juan Cousin. Number three, Vitor Diaz. Four, Max Schneider. Five, Josh Doling. Stuart, we haven't heard from you in a while and I really want to hear what you thought about uh, that list or the article if you read it. Uh, well, I think it's a good list. I mean, uh, I mean, if reports are true, then both Yarrow and Kuzain are already under MLS contract for next year. So right. I don't know if it's fair to include them. But Diaz, yeah, Diaz, Schneider, Doling, and Celio. Um, gosh, but there's so many guys who've just made great cases this year. I mean, you, you could say Ezra is another good one. Akil Watts has played amazing. Uh, Hebert is just such a workhorse back there. Mm. Just he's uh, to to use a, a phrase that I know a lot of people hate. He's a lunch pail guy who um, yeah he's he's quiet, no nonsense, um, and he just works hard and gets gets the job done. Um, I I don't think there's any way that you can necessarily go wrong with listing these guys off. Uh, so. Pick five guys, and you can make a case for any of them to get a shot for the MLS team next year. It's just top to bottom, the team's been really impressive. So I, I really do enjoy watching these guys play, and um, I'm sure there's going to be some surprises for next year. And for the guys who don't make a starting lineup for MLS next year, I hope we get to see them with City 2 next year. Uh, maybe a guy like Hebert sticks around in Captain City too. Mm. Uh, we'll see. What do you guys think, the other, Santiago, Matt? So um, yeah, it's a good list, um, but um, I think uh, if I had to pick just one player that was missing from the list, uh, for me it would be 
Kyle Hebert. And um, to me, it makes sense. Um, and maybe he will fluctuate between City 2 and, and the main team next year. But just thinking about uh, the potential for Nilsson uh, going uh, on uh, international duty to play Sweden, you need to have a backup center back. And Hiver could be one of those. Uh, obviously, Jaro may, may be one of those backups too. Uh, it'll be interesting to see when Nilsson comes and uh, how he plays with with Jaro and if maybe uh, Jaro will get a chance uh, to be a starter. But yeah, I think having both uh, Hebert and Jaro on the main team next year uh, makes sense. And, and Hebert has been, as you guys said, has been a workhorse, has played uh, every minute of every game. And uh, he he seems to get better every game. So mm -hmm. so I would really like him like to see him uh, making that jump to uh, the main team. Matt, what do you huge, think? Huge fan of Kyle Hebert. Um, I, I I've I've talked here about how I look to what the coaches are doing with City Two as far as um, minutes and formation and who's seeing time where as an indicator of where they project them. And Kyle Hebert, having played every minute of every game, it, to me, they can't project him anymore as a quality, reliable center back. So I really hope to see him. And he's definitely the name that I, I noticed missing. One interesting thing I thought about this list is the the writer who is Larry. Larry's done a great job on a lot of other articles, and he mm -hmm. kind of keeps the MLS Next Pro site going with his content. And it, <laughs> it's so much appreciated. But it struck me that um, it, I, a pet peeve, of, pet peeve of mine is that not many people appear to know that Josh Yarrow is already signed to a contract mm -hmm. next year. And, and it's official. It's not even like Juan Cousin where it's rumored to be a similar thing. It's official. It's on the website. It was announced when he was signed. He is on the roster. So not anything against Larry for not putting that, but the sheer fact that he didn't appear to know that and he still ranked Yarrow number one tells me <laughs> that it's not just a local bias that Yarrow's doing great. It's that there is national recognition that Yarrow has the pedigree, he has the experience, and he's performing at that level where if there's a guy, it's him. And that's great news for City and City 2 because he's our captain. He should be performing at that level, and he's already on the team. So if he's being touted by those who don't know that as somebody who is a no-brainer and the number one guy, I think that's a, that's a win for us all around. Mm -hmm. And for Juan Cousin to be number two, uh, again, with the MLS experience that he has with SKC, with that uh, more, the, the depth that he has, I think he's just a known name. And so if he's on the same contract, that's great that he's listed as number two. And then I can't argue at all with Diaz, with Schneider, and with Doling. Um, they, they've been on any list that I've ever made for who I hope to see. Um, and I think Akil Watts has shown a lot lately. And I, I have loved now, I'll champion Celio Pompeu forever. But the problem that I have with going back to, I've been watching, the things I look for are who gets minutes and where do they get minutes and what do the formations look like that they're running out. Um, Celio and Ezra kind of play the same position as their primary, where Ezra is Ezra's on that left side and that's his home. He does far better on the left side. Um, he was billed as a defender, but he's definitely strong in the left mid with Kwame behind him. That's Celio's position too. And he, in my opinion, has been way stronger on the left side than on the right since he's had to 
play in that position. So since Diaz has gone out, we've seen Ezra start on the left side, Celio start on the right side. And Celio has been doing great with his key passes, with his crosses, with his, uh, his uh, XA, his expected assists. But he's kind of not quite disappeared, but I haven't seen him, uh, the ball being played through him as often as it does on the left-hand side. He just seems to be more natural on the left side. So it worries me that when you have to pick one of those two players to play in the position that they're strongest in, you choose Ezra over Celio. So I don't know if that's a conscious message that the coaching staff and Hackworth are sending by putting Ezra in his more natural position than Celio, still knowing that Celio is strong and needs to stay on the field, so you move him out right. Um, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's something that I think of who they trust more in the best position that they play well and, and respond to. Um, and, and I think back to Ezra, where I think he only missed time mostly because of injuries. There was one game, at least, and Santa, you might remember this, where he was kind of kept out, it seemed, and the reasoning was kind of vague. I don't remember which game it was, but it was it was a practice issue. It was There was something that was not injury-related that he was kept out of. But since that time, and he's come back and he's been healthy, he's been on the field as much as he possibly can starting each one of these games. And so I, I really... I, ho- I like the guy. He's very likable. Um, he's he's just obviously intelligent with the ball on the field. So I would love to see him as well. Yeah, um, I'm just going to make it four for four because um, Akil Watts is one of my favorite players. I think he's uh, underappreciated to a certain extent, I guess not by us. But, you know, the guy I'd say he's like maybe the most solid player who doesn't make many mistakes, I'd say, on a given game. And he's always looking for that more creative move, which is something that's kind of vital on a team like ours that can kind of stagnate in the attack at times. I think he's been a bit of a spark in that way. Um, Anywhere on the field, he gets the ball and he's looking for something interesting rather than the easy move, um, which I like. I'm sure some coaches don't care for that at times. But um, and yeah, Hebert, I mean, I was just thinking as you guys were talking that Hebert has gotten so good, you know, Josh Mayer hasn't made it on the field, and even Fritz Volmar is having trouble getting on the field. Hebert's been our steady guy. He's played every single game, right, still? And um, Mm -hmm. it just made me start thinking that uh, Joey Mayer is going to be one of the top draft picks in the upcoming draft, and that's going to be someone that I would love to see come to St. Louis. I'm not 100% he would beat out Josh Hebert um, on the senior team if it was between the two of them. And it may not come to that, but um, I just find it really interesting to start thinking about that, that Hebert has so much experience. Um, It's really interesting uh, what will happen next year with him. Um, I think I would be really sad. He's just a player that I think if you invested in, that he would come true. And I hope they invested him. I'd hate to see him rot at City 2 for even a year or two without him getting some kind of a shot at a higher level. Um, and so I hope that happens. Well, and, and real quick, one thing uh, I saw a comment on on Twitter, I think it was from one of the USMNT accounts, noting that are, are we blowing this out of proportion? Are we are we expecting too much out of City 2 to make a jump from a third tier yes. pro league to the first tier? And and I don't but I, I want to like level set what we're talking about here, because I don't think any of us are necessarily at least I'm not necessarily advocating or expecting any of these players to immediately slide into a regular starting role every mm-hmm. single game. 
they may be squad rotation. They may be a supplemental um, squad. So they're on the, the senior team. It's like a lot of these other next pro players we talk about. You, they're listed as the 21 to 30 roster slots, but they're signed to the the MLS team. They can play. Maybe they come back and play for City 2 some or all of next year, but they're signed and they're practicing. And so they're a part of that team. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of growth and development that I look for for a lot of these City 2 players. That, to me, is a very natural progression of this level to that level. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to fill out our roster, not just with the Academy homegrowns, but with the City 2 players in those supplemental roster slots. Completely agree. I think that uh, sums it up really well. I think that's something we should all keep in mind as we're kind of talking about this, because we do sometimes get too excited. In St. Louis, we really love our players, right? Um, You know, Soccer Tracker is like the perfect example of that. I love everything they post on Twitter. I love seeing what St. Louis FC players are up to because I still care about them. I still care about um, what happens to them and all that kind of thing. Lots of good memories to be lived out there. So, um, yeah, good thing to end on. Santiago, Matt, Stewart, thank you for joining me tonight. It's been a lot of fun as always. If you're listening or watching, thanks for joining us as well and answering questions or asking questions. Uh, Matt Hashider, uh, I'm loving all your comments throughout. So don't <laughs> think we're not seeing them, man. I really love it. It's been fun to read. Um, and we'll be chatting to you guys in another week for Flyover Folk Forecast. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>